Cheers. Cheers. We're still closer, I think. One, two, three. Cheers. Cheers. Here we go. There we go. Welcome. Welcome to Diplomacy Games. I'm Andy. I'm Kana. And this is a podcast about all things wonderful in the game of world diplomacy, mostly online. Mostly online, but we seem to be kind of pushing the envelope. Yeah, Yeah. pushing pushing the envelope. (laughs) So yeah, I'm uh, two two drunk Australians um, talking about the game we love. Indeed. And Amby got the chance to talk about the game he loves. With Um, another Australian who wasn't drunk. Yes. And in fact, I wasn't drunk at the time either. Strange listening to you not drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Occasionally I might be coherent. (laughs) My ideas are better formed and (laughs) less slurry. Um, that being said, uh, we've only just started drinking now, so uh, we can't be can't be that bad at this stage. Talking of drinks, what are you drinking, Amby? I'm just about to try to find it from the bloody wine menu again. Well, I'm drink. drinking the one Fitty Lashes, um, James Squire. It's an Thank Australian you. brew from New South Wales. Um, it's a very nice one. Oh, here it is. And I have a glass of. Terravas de los Andes, from the, uh, which is a Reserva Malbec from Mendoza, Argentina. Wow, aren't you or sophisticated? Is, are you going to Argentina on your world trip? No, I'm not. I'd love to, though. Actually, it's one of my destinations uh, I really, really, really would like to get to, but never got around to it yet because no one else in the family is keen to go. I, I reckon that the southern part of Argentina would be absolutely spectacular. Down the Magellan Straits down there, hey? You I know? reckon... All of it would be, All of it would be fascinating, but that, that, that particular part of the world would be really interesting to see that you know, water, wind, glacial stuff going on at some point in history. I reckon just be a fascinating geological part of the world. And the funny part is, okay, so for those of you obviously in the uh, in the northern hemisphere, in America, in Europe, and everything like that, you tend not to go off and you celebrate your well, sorry, not celebrate. You have your majority of your holiday during summer, right? Yeah. And flip it around the other way, obviously in the Southern Hemisphere it's exactly the same. Most people have their holiday when it's summer. But if we wanted to go to America, like I'm going to America and Europe, and it's the middle of winter when I'm going there. But if you're kind of in the Southern Hemisphere, like us in Australia, and then you go in your summer holidays to Argentina, it's still summer over there. It's still be cold in the southern part of Argentina. Well, no more so than going like the bottom end of Tasmania or something. Which or, is still um, cold in the middle of New Zealand, something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I, I should have just tried my wine. Oh, yes. How was it? Mm. Smooth and fruity. Oh, good. Overtones of. <laughs> berries? <laughs> Red berries? Uh, so, this uh, we're drinking at the Boom Boom. Bar. Boom Boom Room. Boom Boom Room. Yeah. Yeah, Boom Boom Room, um, which is a pub in the CBD of Brisbane. It claims that it's, an, it, it's a cocktail bar dedicated to music, and you can hear the music. It's good. good yeah, I think they've got... Uh, have you noticed they've kind of cordoned off half of the, um, the bar area? I think they've got a function that's going to be coming down soon because they've got, like, people on the door who are, you know, meant to guide them through yes. the right area. Yeah, so. yeah. And it, it's a uh, Queensland Law Society appreciation thing, I don't know. So we're going to have a whole heap of lawyers in here. So oh. <laughs> I thought the stairs on the way in were quite lovely old stairs. It's a nice old building. So what's the... What's this? It's not treasury up 
upstairs, is it? No, no, no. This, this actually used to be the... Um, it used to be a, a government building years ago, so like it was, used to be the family's department or whatever like that, so... It's, it's, old it's colonial like, building. It's an old... Clo- yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, like a sandstone, the late 19th yeah. century, probably, design. And we're sitting in a little alcove area... Um, Underneath a little grot, what we see is a glass ceiling. It's like a little grotto. A little grotto, but it, the glass is a ceiling. I would imagine yep. there's someone who's just walked over us. So that's the um, that's the road footpath. So if you imagine... Um, but it's all kind of fogged over, so... Um, oh, we can't look up skirts. <laughs> no upskirting. <laughs> no, no, it's... Um, Which is probably okay. a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a smart idea, yeah. Especially if you're going to have a whole heap of lawyers soon coming in to the right. room. Um... So, yeah, so we, we do talk diplomacy occasionally, but... Um, we'll get there, yes. We will get there. And um, what, what better part than sort of now? Hey, um, you recently got a chance to talk to... Um, Andrew Goff. Andrew Goff Andrew, from yeah. Melbourne. Yep. Um, but he was in Japan, uh, Man of the World. Yeah, so, um, yeah, International Man of Mystery. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was the, the winner for the 2018 World Diplomacy Championships in Washington, D.C. Congratulations to the man. That's, yeah. I, can't, I didn't actually ask him, but I think it's like this isn't the first time he's won it. I don't know if it's second or third time. I don't know how many times, um, but he definitely wasn't his first. He mentioned that several times. In the yeah. Game. Yeah. I couldn't make it, unfortunately. I was uh, stuck elsewhere. Um, anyway, so how about we just go straight into the interview? We'll play it as of now yep and then have a quick uh, let's have a discussion uh, great idea at the end of it so um, without further ado here's um, Andrew oh, here's, here's and Andrew. and Ambie yep Andrew Goff welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast how are you today I'm very well thank you how are you Ambie <laughs> not bad at all so you're still in the States are you uh, actually no I'm now in Japan oh my god <laughs> Lightly random, but uh, at least it's in the same time zone as you for the interview. Right. Okay. So you're like an international man of mystery at the moment. I, I try to be. Yes. Uh, long planned holiday, actually. So uh, in, enjoying just uh, decompressing after all the tension in Washington. Oh. Okay. So tell us about it. What was it like? What was the whole experience like? Oh, it was a really great tournament. Um, Chris Martin and Peter Jurgen and all of their team put on a fantastic show and uh, huge numbers as well. So almost 100 people playing Diplomacy at once was a pretty impressive sight to see. And this isn't your, your first one. You've been to a number of them, obviously, and have got a few um, you know, actual belts, I suppose, where you've kind of won on a number of occasions now and you've successfully won the World Diplomacy Championship for 2018 in, in Washington. Um has it how, how how did it compare to previous tournaments? Obviously, you said there was like a hundred plus people playing at a time. How did it compare to other ones? As a tournament, it was quite professionally run, which uh, is is not a knock on some of the previous uh, conventions. But when you're dealing with numbers that large, things can get out of hand really quickly. So I think um, that really shone through that they had. Their technology all lined up. It was working. Um, the room was just exactly the right size. The venue was really well planned. They, they really had everything working together, uh, whereas some of the smaller ones that I've been to, save in the Australian one, which only had 50 people, 
that was brilliant, but it was much more relaxed, much, uh, much more fun environment, I would suggest. Cool. And I think I remember when we interviewed Chris, he said he was planning to have all these little other things on the side, little tours going on and so forth. Did you, did you partake in any of those? I didn't get too much time to partake in them, I'm afraid, but uh, I know they did go ahead and uh, people were really, really happy about them. Um, I think that's one of the great things about playing face-to-face diplomacy is that you actually get to meet people and make really good friends as well. So I, I actually missed out on that a bit this time and I guess I had had other things to do, but uh, some of the social stuff that was going on really looked amazing. So, uh, yeah, hopefully next time everyone will kill me on site and I'll get to enjoy a bit more of that. And is there like a, on that social side of things, was there a fair amount of, um, you know, decompressing after the games, you know, people going off and having a drink or whatever like that, or or was everybody pretty much on the ball the whole time and, and, you know, maintaining their mental frame, if I can put it that way? I think there was a mix of both of those. Uh, One of the things about the World Championships in recent years is that there's a forced round off. So you have to take one round off. You can't play every single game. And I think that's really good for just the mental well-being of people. Certainly, I take advantage of it, but it's not just for the experienced players. If you've had a couple of ordinary games and then you can take a round off to decompress, take in the city, get to know some of the other players, I think it makes it a more enjoyable experience. Um, some players use that to get all mightily drunk, uh, particularly some of the really good players who weren't having a good tournament. Mm-hmm. On uh, on Saturday night, they went out. Um, others use it to play other board games. A lot of people used it to see the city. So uh, I think that's a really good feature coming into face-to-face tournaments. Excellent. And as the tournament progressed, I mean... You went through, obviously, a number of stages to get to the the final board. Um, What was the greatest challenge along the way, did you find, in your games? Wow. So I think that the evolution of the tournament was, uh, so for those of you who haven't seen the scores, he got 16, 17, 18 in his three games. And what that was doing was it was raising what was required to get on the top board. Mm-hmm. So score, I thought, was pretty comfortable to get on the top board. Finished up getting me there, but only just. And for a lot of the other players, really scrambling to get that score to get on the top board, the the pressure really stepped up on the second day of the tournament. There were some risky plays happening Um made for more exciting diplomacy compared to the first day where people were trying to play safely, get decent, solid scores. Uh, probably the big tournament affected that as well. And, yeah, just Doug, incredible play in the first three rounds, kind of defined the tournament, I think. Wow. Um, so you obviously learnt from your fellow players along the way as well of, you know, how to change your strategy. As you said, you know, you couldn't just totally play safe others had everyone was taking risks and you had to take some risks as well just to be able to get there yeah it 
That's true, and it's also being someone who has won it before puts a little bit of a target on your back. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, a lot of it was navigating that need to take big, bold, risky plays with immediately terrifying everyone else on the board and having everyone team up against me. So it was challenging, um, but it's sort of silly for me to complain about that because, again, look at Doug Moore. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies to him, and he just completely destroyed the preliminary rounds. So uh, there, there's challenges like that for the great players, the good players, the average players, and the beginners. And it's it's just about navigating your own path mm-hmm. with, as you say, that context of the broader tournament and what you need to do to get on a top board. And obviously there's a number of uh, players who regularly attend these face-to-face tournaments and you get an opportunity to understand their gameplay to a certain extent and what they're likely and not likely to do. Uh, And then there's a a new influx of, of new players obviously coming along to each tournament. Did you get any surprises from any newbies that you weren't really expecting? All the time. Um, I actually love that the online players are beginning to show up to -to face-to-face tournaments a little more frequently and with more numbers. I I think there is a big difference between the two. Mm -hmm. And when you move over from one to the other, it's quite hard to adjust. So, for example, I'm pretty ordinary at online diplomacy. Um, And when you move over from online diplomacy to -to face-to-face, it can be pretty tough for the first tournament or two, but it makes you a much better player. And the same for face-to-face players. Get online, play some games. That will be tough, but it will make you a better player. And having said that, there's always two or three people who just come out of the blue and who are obviously very good diplomacy players and um, Jordan on the top board was uh, a great example of that clearly a very talented player and uh, he uh, surprised me a few times certainly but throughout the tournament uh, people you don't know surprise you one of the other things though is that a lot of the face-to-face players are constantly improving they don't stay the same Mm-hmm. So the people I played six months ago are now having a different style. And it's when you think you know someone and then they pull out something completely different, that's probably where you're more likely to come unstuck. So from, from that point of view, what what's intriguing for me in the way you said that is being involved in many, many different tournaments, seeing many of the same players but seeing some changes happening in style – What's been your perspective, I guess, on the evolution of gameplay, say, over the last few years when it comes to chess, as it was first being recorded and analysed, that you have players like Paul Morphy in chess who just beat everyone who showed up. And it was because they had a strategy and other players were just moving pieces around. And probably 10 years ago, when I was first uh, sort of quite good internationally that was how people were playing there was lots of tactics lots of clever moves lots of aggressive interesting openings 
but there wasn't a lot of strategy to back it up. And I think over the last 10 years, the strategic insight and intelligence that is applied to the game has really taken off. And uh, some of that is face-to-face, but again, it's that cross-pollination between online and offline, that there's the ability to play more games and ability to put more thought into games uh, online. And I think that's really... What they say for how they defend, is there anything there that kind of you know, stands out from your perspective? So this is, a, this is a field that's close to my heart and I could probably talk about it for hours. I think there's a few big practical lessons from it. The first is understand game theory understand uh, what you do this turn does affect what happens in the future turns and you're not looking for a stab this turn. You're looking to win the game. And some of the ways that manifests are longer-term alliances. Uh, Just because there's two centres sitting in front of someone doesn't mean that they'll immediately grab them. Instead, they're looking for how can I get to a position where I can get 18 or there's no one else they can work with to then challenge me. Um, It sounds like it's a more conservative game, but in some ways it's more like, again, and waiting for other people to make mistakes rather than just being sort of, oh, here's a flourish, here's a clever tactic I learnt and now I've got you on the ropes. Um, And I I really do think that online play has a lot to be credited for for bringing about that kind of change. That's that's really interesting. And when it comes to that that evolution and that change with online play and bringing online players in, are you seeing, because there has been some talk, at least within the online community about it, you know, bringing fresh blood, so to speak, you know, younger players into the game. Are you seeing that around the faces of tournaments at the moment? I'm seeing a more diverse tournament. Uh, Younger, certainly, Mm -hmm. than uh, maybe five or six years ago. Also, uh, I'm really always been surprised that there aren't more women playing diplomacy because they're really good at it. I think we should be really encouraging that as well. And the Washington tournament had a pretty good turnout in that respect. Um, the diversity of people playing the game makes it more interesting. So I think it's it's just really in everyone's interests to be encouraging that, whether it's, well, young people certainly, because they're also going to be there for hopefully 20 years, but any other kind of diversity as well. I think it's... a really strengthens the hobby. Yep, absolutely. And during the actual tournament itself, either in the games that you played in or if you happen to be watching other games, uh, was there any stabbing that went around that you went, wow, that's that's a, that's a great stab either. Someone stabbed you well, you've managed to kind of pull off the stab of all stabs or you've just happened to be walking past a board. Was there anything that, that really kind of made you go, hey, that was a... That was nice. That was <laughs> satisfying. Uh, I think some of the top board shenanigans were, were very interested and I was sort of first-hand involved in some of that. Uh, otherwise, again, look at 
Doug Moore's three games, 16, 17, 18, two plays along the way. It's a um, result, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's out of this world. Mm. Um, and I, I'm old enough to remember an Australian diplomacy player called Craig Sedgwick who went on a string of going 15-15 alliances. And he did, I think, six 15-15 alliances in a row. And um, everyone thought that would that was just unbeatable. No one would ever go close to that. And now here we have someone with a huge target on their back mm. just going, I'll have all the centres in the first three rounds of a world championship. So, uh, again, I was very busy in my games for it. Mm-hmm. But the few times I looked up, every time there was noise happening, it seemed to be around Doug Moore and him doing something incredible again. So I, I'm afraid I can't share exact moves with you. That's all right. But he was, uh, he was certainly uh, putting on a performance. So let's let's talk about that top board. Um, from your perspective, how did things change in that final game compared to the earlier games? Uh, that one's an easy one. The, the difference between a top board and the preliminary rounds is there's seven good players there. They may not necessarily be the seven best players in the world at a moment because there are factors that mean good players get killed, but they're good. And that means a lot of the things that you can put in play in a preliminary round really just don't work on top boards. The top players see them coming. They're not going to be tricked. And that really results in a much more high-pressure game. So... I would say 80% of that top board and 80% of the last few top boards I've been on has just been about dealing with the pressure of the situation, um, not making the mistake become so much harder when you're against players who are really very good. I'll give you an example, actually. Yeah, okay. seven, seven players on this board, all of whom I would say are very good, and the Turkish player, who you can look up if you want, but will remain nameless. He's a really lovely guy. Um, opened Con to Bulgaria, Smyrna to Constantinople, Ankara to the Black Sea. Now, if you're playing against seven semi-random players, that's a perfectly fine opening. You've got a reasonable chance of getting that extra army out for a second build. Not great, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Against a top board at a world championship, there is no way Constantinople is getting to Bulgaria, and that means it's just in the way for the rest of the game. And that move, that tiny little mistake, meant that Italy and Austria were solid from that moment forward. They were always going to go after Turkey. And it's it's little details like that that pressure gets to you and you make a move that you might be comfortable with instead of assessing the situation on its merits. Now, from memory, because actually I haven't looked at the the, uh, the top board since actually obviously the event went on, uh, you were playing Russia, weren't you? I was England. England. Oh, God, sorry. That's <laughs> right. I'm surprised, I'm surprised by that as well. England is easily my worst country, so uh, I haven't... No idea what I was doing picking England when I did 
Actually, I do, but... Uh, oh, so you got to... Did you get to select the countries, did you? Was it based on the, the scores going into the top board? So it's a, a clever way called the Paris Method, which sounds a lot more uh, exciting than it actually is. The players are ranked first to seventh on their preliminary round scores. Mm-hmm. And then they actually... That doesn't pick the countries. From there, you get to pick the order that you pick your countries in. And whoever picks last has the advantage of a tiebreaker. So if you pick first, you will lose any tiebreaker if you finish on the same centres. And then so on down the list. So I picked fifth, which meant I would beat on tiebreak anyone who picked first to fourth but would lose to 6th and 7th. Right. And uh, if you are looking at the game at uh, home, I think there's it's on Backstabber if you want to review it. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that Adam Segal, who was Italy, actually would have won any tiebreak, which actually explains a lot of the play in the last three years of the game, just trying to be on one centre more than Adam on the turns that the game might finish. Yep. Very, very high-pressure stuff. So I'm looking here at your opening. You kind of opened up into North Sea and Norwegian, bit of a traditional type of play, although obviously you and France managed to avoid the English Channel together as part of your initial conversations. How did that help you by presumably starting to build that alliance with France early, assist with your beginning of the game? So I want to say that's how I always open as England. Okay. But I played England earlier in the tournament and I ordered Liverpool holds. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and the reason for Liverpool holds is just to show Russia with intent that you're not going to put an army in Norway. Yeah, okay. Um, so it really reduces the target on you. On a top board, I sort of wanted to do the same thing, but I chickened out. The pressure got to me as well in the opening, and I did the boring one. What the intent for my whole opening, and this actually plays out in the game, I was really happy how it went, was to be the first person stabbed in the West to make sure that when I was stabbed, it was in such a way that didn't really do me any damage. So I'd had conversations with Doug about keeping things neutral, keeping things all on the level, making sure we didn't destroy each other's tournaments. So he was in France, I was in England. We can bounce in the English Channel and we're already beginning to fall way behind the pace that's needed. I had had conversations with Germany about attacking Doug in 1902. Mm -hmm. And this was the German player's first top board. And I was fairly confident he wouldn't be able to hold his nerve until 1903. And that's pretty much what happened. He ineffectively stabbed me, which gave me all the reason I needed to be supporting Doug all over him. And then obviously the, the German player is far more angry with Doug than he is with me. So at that point, I don't have any enemies for a while. 
that, believe it or not, was my thinking with my opening, just to be as placid and neutral and slow as possible to encourage that outcome in two or three years' time. That makes sense. And I guess you've mentioned a few times around a number of the players obviously have a, um, a bit of a reputation due to their previous um, winnings and the fact that they've got a target on their back. At this level, how much of it is around, particularly if you are a, a recognised top player, how much of it is around about avoiding that, being that target? Um, a lot of it. Some of it is about owning it as well. You need to, again, read the players. Sometimes the appeal to authority is very effective. Uh, I would say particularly in the United States, you can sort of walk up to someone and say, I'm very good at diplomacy. If you attack me, I'm going to kill you. And it works. And it really shouldn't. Um, it really should be a case of he's really good at diplomacy. We should all go and get him right now and we'll sort out our differences later. Um, top boards are a little different because, again, everyone there is a really good player. Uh, I would be lying if I was to say I wasn't scared of Doug. The reason I picked England rather than Italy, which is probably my favourite country, was I was scared of Doug. He was just in such great form. Um, and he's had my measure in the past. So... Uh, does it matter? Yeah, it really does. And finding ways to either take advantage of it or offset it as a weakness, I think, is pretty important. And having this actually, obviously, it's a, a game, that final board, where there's a, a set time limit. I mean, there was obviously time limits generally in most of these tournaments, but there was a, a particular time limit where it's a case of, okay, if it's not resolved and we don't have someone with 18 supply centres by this time, it's it's all over. Did that kind of come into the way that you timed your gameplay? Absolutely. How, how did uh, it? In what way? So I want to preface this by saying to anyone out there listening, if you're trying to get good at diplomacy, go for your 18s. Because once you can get an 18 and know how to do it, everything else you might want to set as an objective in a game is easier. So on this top board, the chances of getting an 18 are very slim. But knowing that the game has to end in 1908, 1909, or 1910, knowing how you could get to 18, it becomes fairly easy to map out how you would get to 10 centres or 11 centres in 1909. Um, it affected my play. I went a lot faster than I usually would, particularly as England. I would have rather have slowed down and uh, taken my time a little bit more, interrupted the other side of the board a little bit, worked with France more closely. Instead, I did a dodgy little sort of one-centre stab against him just to slow him down. And you could see Russia trying to do the same thing with me. That time limit really compresses some of the action. So you make moves that are actually not good moves if you're trying to get to 18, but do jostle for position to be in front um, when the game is going to finish. 
And I guess more from a hypothetical situation, when you get to that that end of that particular um, game, you're well positioned pretty much in most of the northern half of the map. Uh, Russia's been kind of pushed down into its southern reaches and a little bit of Turkey and Austria and Italy's, you know, around the mid and there's a rump left of, of France. If the game kept going, um, would you have been in a position, do you feel confident you could have actually taken the 18? Uh, I think it's an unfair question because the game was not <laughs> I going... I it was hypothetical. <laughs> hypothetically, yes. I think that position becomes an 18 from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no way that France has collapsed his position. There's no way that Italy is so uncommitted towards France. They would have moved that way with a lot more units. Um, there's no way Russia has descended on Italy in a desperate bid to to win in the last couple of years. So the whole, the whole question, I would never have been in the position I finished in if the game hadn't been finishing. Yeah. So it, none of it was good play. If, if you're looking at it from a, an 18 point of view, my play was bad, Russia's play was bad, Italy's play was bad. Um, it was all pretty bad. But in this specific game, 18 wasn't the objective. Just finishing on top at the end of time was. And in that respect, I think, Everyone played pretty pretty much to that objective, um, particularly the four big powers at the end, Russia, Italy, France, and England. Um, there's not a lot of moves any of them would take back, I don't think. But there was uh, any real push to for them to actually start working together to take you down or never that you were able to kind of help offset that with your own game playing and conversations? Uh, I think in the last three or four years, it was every man for themselves. Right. Um, and, for example, Russia trying to take me down might have stopped me winning the tournament, but it wouldn't have had Russia win the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Doug this, is, this is, I guess, where things differ. Obviously, when you're playing a, you know, a, a top board at, at WDC compared to just playing like a normal online game where the consequences, if I can put it that way, aren't really much. You know what I mean? If you're just playing a normal game of diplomacy and it's all for mm. a bit of fun, um, it might be a totally different outcome compared to you know, you're trying to ultimately get the best position and, and come over the most number of SEs when the, the, the clock stops ticking, so to speak, and... Yeah, I mean, yes. credit where credit's due. You've done fantastic to get to that point, particularly up against someone like Doug, the way he was playing. And and give credit to Adam Segal as yeah, well. Yeah. 12 centres is Italy. Mm-hmm. He would have looked at that at the start of the game and gone, that will be enough to win a world championship. Um, yeah, quite, quite possibly, yeah. He was desperately unlucky not to, to win. He played absolutely superbly and... Um, yeah, I, I thanked him at the time for the incredible game. Um, he would have been a very, very deserving winner as well. And he he didn't particularly make any mistakes. Um, and his negotiations with Russia in the last few years, just putting doubt in the Russians' mind, um, were something to behold. Uh, you asked earlier about, did you see any incredible plays and, and stabs and things like that? Well, I think Adam sowing the seed of doubt into 
Ruben's mind in Russia was just brilliant diplomacy. And uh, thankfully, Ruben didn't quite fall for it completely. Otherwise, you might be interviewing Adam today instead of me. <laughs> oh, it's far better having another Aussie on board. So you know, <laughs> I, was, I was actually particularly patriotic and proud. I think when you won, I put a number of tweets out on our, our channel, you know, with a bit of Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad an Aussie won as well, but uh, no doubt about it that Adam would have been a very deserving winner. And uh, obviously, Doug, in the end, he got sort of caught between Adam and me. Um, and yeah, he certainly tried to stop me. He at one point had army in Wales and a fleet in the English Channel and I think he also had a fleet in the Irish Sea at one point. So uh, he was doing everything he could to slow me down, but uh, there just weren't the centres there for him to win it. So, uh, yeah, it's that sort of tension and, and back and forth. If it had been a regular game, it would have been a pretty straightforward England-France versus Russia-Italy game. In some ways, it's a more interesting game to look at because of that time limit. Yep. In, other, in other ways, it, it's probably not the best showcase of pure diplomacy. So I've only got two more questions for you. One, obviously, is um, what are your plans to defend your championship in Marseille next year? So my plans to defend it, yep. uh, well, I'll show up and I expect to be roundly killed by everyone. Uh, I think, let, let me be honest, I think my best days of diplomacy are a little bit behind me now. I think uh, I probably got lucky with this one being between Doug and Adam and just being in the right place at the right time. Um, so it was a little bit opportunistic. I think the chances of anyone letting me get anywhere near a supply centre in Marseille are pretty low. Mm -hmm. So will I show up? Yes. Do I expect to defend my championship? No, I do not. I don't think I will be in the same league as Tom Haver or indeed Doug Moore sort of getting in the top three again next year. Uh, if I have any results at all, I'll be very happy with that. Excellent. And um, Kainer and I, obviously being fellow Australians, have talked a few times, particularly seeing we're more online players and haven't played face-to-face -face for goodness knows how long, have always discussed the idea of, you know, we obviously have only a, a certain number of Australian players here. Um, do you know if there's any plans or any thoughts about having a Australian-based tournament in the future? Not, not, not necessarily WDC level, but just like an Australia-New Zealand type of thing? So... We're actually playing a lot of face-to-face -face diplomacy in Melbourne at the moment, mm -hmm. which is good. I think there'll be a weekender, either the first or second weekend in December. I have to check, I'm afraid. And we're planning on actually having a proper Australian Championships, uh, which will be in late March next year. So stay tuned for details about that. Um, that will probably be in Melbourne. What I would really recommend... Get along to face-to-face -to -face tournaments. If you have the ability to, then uh, get along to Marseille next year. It'll be an incredible experience. 
otherwise, don't be shy to uh, arrange some face-to-face games and uh, see what happens. It, it can happen really quickly that you go from half a board of people in a pub to suddenly having a three-board tournament. Um, it certainly happened in Chicago that a couple of people really dedicatedly organized and they went from playing in a pub once a month to uh, having one of the biggest, strongest diplomacy scenes in the world. So if you're wondering if there's other diplomacy players out there, get on Reddit, get down to your local game shop and do some flyers and, uh, yeah, make it happen. Sounds good. I think I'll, I'll definitely be interested in the March um, game because I'm away during December. Uh, I reckon Kane would definitely be interested as well. So, um, yeah, Melbourne's actually not a bad time of the year to be going down there in March. So It's beautiful. And, and look, we are hoping to build towards the World Championship in a few years' time. Uh, we are just about to fall due again. So it would be nice to have a few strong tournaments around Australia that really support face-to-face diplomacy. Um, and again, if you're online, uh, come along. It's actually fun as well. It uh, can get serious, obviously, when it's a world championship or something like that. But the people are genuinely friendly and you will make some great mates uh, playing diplomacy face-to-face. Awesome. Andrew, that sounds like a bit of a wrap. So um, I'd just like to thank you very much for your time. And again, congratulations on the win and hopefully see you in March. Thanks very much for having me and, uh, yeah, look forward to meeting you in person. And we're back. Oh, we're back. Oh, no, you, you've oh, got another beer. Oh, in that time, I did get another beer. Well done. Because I was here a little bit earlier. I hit, I hit it a bit harder. That's okay. That's okay. That was a good interview. Excellent interview, actually. Um, and a great diplomacy play. Very obviously. modest. Yeah, he could shout out to I think that's part of the reason he players. won, though, isn't it? Oh, it's kind of... Yeah, you can't get to that level in uh, the area. I suppose you could. He gave a shout out to Doug Moore several times, Adam Siegel, Ruben, who played Russia in the final game. And then uh, it sounds like an old great of the Australian scene, Craig Cedric. I'm, um, I was surprised to a certain extent with the way that Doug Moore played in the rounds that we weren't interviewing him instead. <laughs> Yeah, so. <laughs> pretty impressive on those rounds, those outcomes, 17, 16, yeah. 15. My God, like... And so, I mean, I can understand probably that that, that may have also been his downfall. By, yeah, by playing so into, well, everyone's yeah. probably gone, well, let's stop him. You know, we can't, you know, we've got to be really, really mindful of aware what we of say and what, you, what he's yeah, going to do to us. Aware of so, this guy. Um, yeah, and, um, what, he, was your, what was your takeaways? What were the key things you really thought was... Um, useful to you and your gameplay I thought well just when, when he had the, when you and him had this discussion about the evolving style he's obviously been around the face to face world for a quite bit. a few years yeah. now and his um, it's just his insights as to how as a decade or so ago it was a tactical game yeah people were interested in the the, the, the moves which gave them a tactical advantage at the moment but it's it's more and more, in his view, become a strategy that there's long-term vision of strategy on the board. And he actually attributed that to the online world, you know, kind of feeding into that in the, in the style. I thought that was really an interesting point. 
yeah, and that was something that I kind of uh, I, I the same type of thought around it. Even just my own gameplay, I've been finding the last few months has been evolving to be thinking not so much this turn, but where do I need to be in another turn or two, and what are the appropriate moves I need to take as a result of that? So, oh, and and to be operating at that level of um, or winning a world diplomacy, right? And it. You, you would obviously you have to have in your mind like a like a bank of scenarios mm. whereby you would need to get to a certain amount of supply centres in a certain amount yeah. of time. Yep. And how that would look. Yeah. That those those motions that would need well, to be. Well I think I think you referenced yeah. chess at one stage and it's hundred percent correct. It's like, you know, good chess players not playing the board now, they're playing the board ten, five 20, or six, yeah, seven, yeah, eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. ten games or so it moves ahead. Yes, yes. And then it's it's too true. I, I, I fall down on it too. Um, I, actually, I, I, I must admit, when um, when you're probably in a more defensive position and you're under the pump, I probably kind of revert back to tactical rather than strategic. Or alternatively, when I say tactical, either very, very defensive or incredibly outlandishly wild without actually any real gameplay because you can't think two, three, four turns ahead because you'd be dead. But if you're actually yep. doing okay... You can afford that type of forward planning, and well, that's that, pay off. Well, I that think. ties into his, his final point about you know on being the final board. There's the, the intense pressure that you're under in that scenario, you know. Yep. And he, he gave the example of Turkey um, opening up in you know, what would be a, a standard Turkey opening in an online non yep. high stakes game. Um, of, backfired, and it just backfired on the on the guy um, because everyone on that board knows. What the standard openings, the standard are, openings are, you know, where, you know, well, where's he going? No one's going to let him into any other supply centres in the Balkans. Yep. Because the strong turkeys, no one's going to be happy with that. Yeah. Oh, another one that I thought was really fascinating was this um this generalisation on, on on what seems to work with uh, Americans. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'd be really interested to hear what Americans have to say on this. Um, is, is that is that a takeaway thing that works for you guys when you're playing the game in America? Can you sort of front up and say, "Hey, I'm a really strong diplomacy player. If you stab me, I'm going to kill you." Yeah. Does that work against other Americans? I don't know. It wouldn't work against me. I'd be like, "Well, oh, fuck it off. I'll fucking I'll attack you. <laughs> Screw you. Yeah. Let's see how good you <laughs> Let's are. See how good you are." Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's, if we think about it though, it's it's more in that American nature just to kind of lay down the law and set the scene. Well, it's probably, you know, ourselves in the colonies and Brits and so forth, uh, and even the Europeans are a little bit more, oh, dare I say, diplomatic and more <laughs> measured with what we do rather than just going in there by force and just so, so impa- we- overpowering the scene. <laughs> now, now we're sort of stepping into the world of um, uh, stereotypes, national stereotypes, aren't we? But still, I mean, I thought it was, it was, it was, it was a fascinating kind of insight, you know, if that, that, that works or not. Yeah. Let us know, guys. Let us know. Um, but yeah, I mean, we touched on before around that whole online element and how that's kind of you know, driving, you know, bringing that strategy into the game. But the way he also discussed about how a number of those online players coming into the face-to-face environment, just eating it up, loving it, and kind yep. of bringing a lot of their skills into it and just changing a lot of the nature, I thought was really, really interesting as well. Well, it's a great... Um, it, it, you know, I, I think... It's great that there's those there's a crossover in those worlds. Those world two worlds are crossing over a bit. And I'm I think hoping... they're really starting to merge in a lot of ways. 
Well, really, well, I mean, we're, it's we're, the same yeah. game. It's the same hobby. It's the same game. It's just a different, different channel. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of, you know, currently you can go into your local bank or whatever like that and deal with someone on a face-to-face basis. Yep. Or you can just do it all online. Wait, it's still the same it's account. Same bank, it's yeah. still the same, your bank account. It's still the same experience. You're just doing it in a different way. Right. Speaking of different way, I'm definitely going to make it down to that March one if they hold it down in Melbourne. Well, I was going to say, um, I wouldn't be able to do the... I don't think I can get away with the... Was it the March one? When are they talking about having... No, no, no. Well, was well, was that, was that going to be the big end of the... Is that going to be like the uh, the Australian one they were talking about? Oh, the Australian one, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, March yeah. next okay, year yeah. in Melbourne. Yeah. Sorry, I was getting mixed up with the one he talked about in December. Yeah, no, he's doing a weekend in December. Probably not going to be able to make it that one, but... Yeah. I reckon if they're doing a March one, I'm into that. If you're into that... Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um... Should be actually. I think I mentioned it to Mrs. Amby, and Mrs. Amby's like, "Oh yeah, that's okay." Oh yeah, great, cool. <laughs> yep. So it's not as bad as going all the way over to uh, <laughs> oh, DC. Washington. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then his other suggestion about you know, I reckon if we, if we put on a uh, a Brisbane-based face-to-face game oh, in yes. the middle of the yes. uh, Australian winter in Brisbane because it's quite nice here in Brisbane in winter. Very nice compared to down yeah. south. Um, we'd probably also attract a few of the, the southerners to fly up or yeah, come well, up. You know, they come up, play a few games of board games, uh, you know, a few games of diplomacy, and um, I imagine they'll want to go to the beach. You know, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, why not? Why not, indeed. Actually, the, um, I don't know if you've been going to web diplomacy at all lately, but there's a forum thread there where they've been talking around, having, they've, been having, they've actually putting together an online Australian-New Zealand game. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They've already got, they've got, got seven players for that, and they're starting to create a, a second game, which, because I said I can't do the first game because I'll be away and I don't want, yes. to do, want to do it justice. I said I'll be in the next round if it's in January. And there seems to be quite a few Australian and New Zealand players in that online space as well. So if we can kind of get them to come together into the face-to-face space, it'll be really good. Maybe we can get a there's bit of magic a, to happen. There's even yeah. a guy in Brisbane. Oh yeah, yeah. Napoleon, was it Napoleon of Oz? I think he might use his handle. Oh, good on him. Yeah. Hey. So, oh, we might even. Yeah. Oh, let's see what happens. Eh? We'll, put, we'll put some feels out in some of the forums and see what what the goal is there. Hmm. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I reckon that'd be well worth doing. I mean, we both you and I. I mean, you you played proper diplomacy in a face to face environment early, early, early on in your. Um, Earlier Initiation to yep, earlier the game. On. Yes, yes. I've since kind of worked out as time's gone by that I actually never played Diplomacy proper when proper I started game. off. I think I must have played uh, Machiavelli. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, the which was like first. the variant of it. I never actually played the original game until I started getting into the online environment, I think initially with like, crappy Facebook Diplomacy or whatever like that, until oh, I found Webdip. Yeah. And then yep, yep, yep. Ollie Dip with the game Vdip. Oh, these other people going to a special room. There's a special room there. Wow. Rooms, we don't get a special room. We've got our room of our own. Which is just We've got an alcove. Co- <laughs> We've got an alcove in the common area. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you very much, um, Andrew, for getting yeah. to the interview. You know. Well, I guess one more thing I wanted to sort of throw out there, like, is... Um, you know how the, how the time limit changes and affects the game. Yeah, hey, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, you'd, when you think about it, yeah, it really does. Yeah. Such and a small thing, massive yeah. difference. Well, it puts. I mean, you get a little bit of that, I guess, within the, the time pressures if you're playing uh, online, where you've got a certain amount of time for phase. Yeah. But you and you can get obviously games that are set to end at a particular point of time. Yes. But. 
most not, not many online games that actually do that. They're mostly all just they end when someone's reached the the supply centre winning conditions, or it's a draw, or it's a draw. Further. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rather than actually having a time based one. So hmm. something worth thinking about, like if you're going to be setting up a, I don't know another another game on in the online world, you actually don't have to have a have a. You can't set a limit. You can't Actually, stop. So he, he's he's a, he's a I reckon here, Kana, here's a, a cheeky way for you to get yourself up the rankings and maybe get back into the top hundred again. You need to create these games. Actually, have a time limit. Don't advertise the time limit. Don't advertise the time limit. <laughs> or maybe the actually probably that's the that's the one thing rather than supply centers. You know, a game that a number of people come to, they don't pay attention to it, but you know what's going on, so then you're playing for the time limit. I mean, that'd be crooked, like you said it, like, okay... You, it's you a bit dodge, <laughs> but, you know... You set the game to win, um, you know, like, um, I'd like to finish at 1901, okay? <laughs> and, and, and it's a choose-your-own-country, and you choose oh. Russia, you know. <laughs> just, you, just, you stab all your neighbours all at once. Yeah, you bang, you know. Game ends. Winner take all. Oh, no, that would just be so messy. Actually, that, 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 would be interesting, that would be interesting. Like, seriously, how about, like, you're even a player classic games, like, okay, you've got a set limit, it's, three, it's a three-year game. Yeah. But everyone, okay, so unlike the dodgy thing where you know, you just kind of sneak in, you literally say this is a three-year game, just go nuts. <laughs> see what happens. See what happens. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm half tempted to set up a game like that. Speaking of games I set up, Heptarchy. Yeah. We spoke oh. about this one last one. Hep Bros. Hep Bros. Yep, it's now, it's, it's started. Um, Did and you get any New Zealanders turn up for that one? I got an Australian. Okay. Well, According so, to the no, Ingibot, Ingibot, Ingibot. Yeah, yeah. Is he Australian? Well, on the, according to the map, he's in Sydney. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, he's uh, he's Anglia. I'm um, what, what's the name of that blue one? What part of that? Uh, Cornubia. Yeah, kind of. So Cornubia is kind of like your Cornwall, uh, Devon type of old West Coast, sorry, West Country area. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this game was humming along well to start off with for me. Um, I formed an alliance with Anglia and Wales and was friendly with Ireland. And then um, Wales actually supported me into that little island, Sicilonia. Um, and then Ireland... Oh, the support, yeah. Isles, Isles of Scilly. Um, Scilly? Scilly? Scillionia? Yeah, yeah. It's in, in English words, it's Isles of Scilly, I think. Scilly? Isles of Scilly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, Wales has since turned against me, supporting Ireland against myself. So oh, we'll wait and see how this one turns out. Um, it so, builds at this stage, so I'll be putting a fleet. Yeah, how, many look, players are, how, many, how many players are in Heptarchy? Is it five? Or, no, he- it's uh, seven players. Seven, okay. Uh, I think Mercia and Northumbria are on their way out. Um, yeah, and wow. It's, um, and that's not to be... That, I'm not surprised. I mean, in this game, the past Heptarchy games where I've played either Northumbria or uh, Mercia, it's, it's a really difficult starting position. You're sort of sandwiched between a lot of players. Yeah. Um, like Germany or Austria location. Um, Scotland's doing quite well. So is Ireland, Anglia and myself. So hmm. we'll see how this one plays out. Early days yet, Andy. So um, how many... How far are you into this one? 
this because you started you started this one when we were at the last um, last recording, didn't you? You I set up made the game. the game. Yep. And what year is it? I'm trying to figure that out. Six fifty one. Yeah. I'll go back to go back to the map or something. So six fifty one is when it starts. Yeah. And it's currently builds of six fifty three. So you got to be two. So it's so, what, six moves in. So yeah, six moves in. And like, and there's two players almost pretty much out the door. They're only pretty the much, one supply yeah, center. Yeah, yeah, pretty much out. Um, the thing I find interesting looking at this map, and this gets me back into my old school variant days, mm. without playing around with it too much, because I've, I've rabbited on a few times on this podcast around my um, uh, the podcast I listened to, and one of which was History of England. Still am, and the middle, at the moment I'm in the middle of the War of the Roses. Oh, righto, yep. And looking at this map, it's pretty much instantly configured with the exception of moving the supply centre in Flanders to Calais to be ideally set up for um, a war between the Lancasters and the Yorks and you can kind of throw Scotland into the mix for a three-way game. Yeah, well, would you still have Ireland in the mix there? Well, Ireland was controlled by the Lancasters. Right. I was going to say they were controlled. They, they, they controlled Dublin, and then his, and then of course everything outside that was beyond the pale, which was outside of their control. Yep, yep. And that's where that term came comes from. from. Yeah. yeah, beyond the pale. Which is interesting because there's like yep. a bar in my suburb called Beyond the Pale, and I don't think anyone realises what it means. They just, just think it's, they think it's like about, meaning, saying yeah. that pale ale or whatever, maybe. Yeah, beyond the uh, beyond the plantation. Um, hmm, could work. Could work. Could work. That's an interesting division of space. But it is an interesting map, you know, and it's interesting um, from the point of view that I, I'm sure a lot of English players would be quite um, excited in, in much the same way as players from America quite enjoy the divided states or games which take place on the continent that they know. Or Australians playing mate against mate. Thanks to Andy here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's, it's a nice map. Actually, I, I like the connections here. It's It seems to be a very well-balanced map. Um, even even though you've had two players who are currently going out the door, well, let's, let's have a look at the stats, huh? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll pull up the stats. Oh, you may not, oh yeah, you won't be you won't get graphs. On I won't this, get but graphs. You'll, you'll get yeah, the yeah. graphs. Graphs. <laughs> Northerner. <laughs> Southerner. <laughs> Alrighty, so there's been. Well, 25 games finished, so we don't really have an extensive... Oh, fuck, what happened there? Oh, why did you do that? I don't know. Uh, so we don't really have an uh, extensive um, spread to... Okay, uh, cancel, cancel, okay. Cancel, 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 cancel. Alright, so 25 games, so we don't really have an extensive body Can you kind of just at, move the, the page up a little bit? No, yeah, so we're looking to at... Um, so Ireland's won none. There are no solos for Ireland or Scotland. And only, none for Scotland. One, only one for Wales, yeah. One for Wales, one for Canubia, which is that... that that's Actually, when you look at this, it's, it's not very balanced at all. Anglia has done... Anglia has done... Well and truly much better. Significantly a lot better. Five solos, nine draws. So it's ahead of the draws, it's ahead of the solos. And it's got the least number of eliminations. So, hey... It might be that free build in Flanders. Here we go. You need another heptarchy game... Where you choose your country, you pick Anglia and <laughs> close the game <laughs> off. The game early. Early. 
zooming up the charts before we know it. With a oh, bullet I'll tell up. you what, the amount of complaints we get in the mod forum about that. What, gaming the system? Gaming the system. Yeah. Have you got, many, have you got many complaints about me yet? No. <laughs> 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 not like that. Anyway, anyway. But another one that you've been playing, that you've just played recently, set in a similar scenario. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although probably like, what, 600 years earlier. No, a lot earlier, actually. Stern, Stern. Well, this is funny. Cause, so, this is about, this is the North Sea Wars variant. And... Um, it's, a, it's called an economic conflict at the start of the first millennium. Now, it's got some interesting rules about it. Yeah, so I was just going to say, because I kind of got my millenniums mixed up and thought it must have been around the 1000s or 1100s. No, it's actually set in the zeros and 100s AD. So, so yeah, okay. So, so just prior to the Romans getting... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so Before Julius. So, yeah, yeah for this one, there's uh, it's a four-player variant. And... Um, yeah, so you've got the... I can't remember the name of the countries on this one, so... Oh, fuck, where is it? Oh, so this is... That, that's the... That's, that's, ah. Where are we? What have you done? When it loads. Um, so you've got the Scandinavians, you've got the... Um, the Romans. The Britons, you've got your Romans coming up. And the Frisians. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so the Romans actually start on, on the continent, and um, the Britons... Uh, I suppose more like your old old school Celtic tribes and everything like that, aren't they? Were they Celts? Yeah, they were Celts. Were they? Well, Celtic Britons and everything. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some yeah. like that. Yeah. But um, the thing about this game, this variant, is... Okay, you go, okay, nice four-player variant. There's not many four-player variants out there. No, there's not, is there? No. Yeah. And on top of that, you've got a couple of... Weird, wacky things. What's the first wacky thing? Well, okay, so this is all based around the North Sea. So, as, as we said before, it's kind of like that area around um, UK, the southern bits of Scandinavia, so, you know, some bits of Norway, Sweet, modern-day Norway, Sweden, and, and Denmark, and the low countries, and going into that, like, Hamburg area of Germany. Sort of a, you know, a proto-Hanseatic League area. Yeah, yeah, nicely put. Yeah. Um, and you've got one this in the middle of the North Sea. So the North Sea is actually divided into um, five territories. There's an upper north, there's an east, there's a lower and a west. And in the middle is like that central North Sea, which is not just too dissimilar to what I kind of coded into uh, 1066 uh, version 3, I think it was. Okay, so the central North Sea, potentially every... Power. Every each of these powers of the four powers can reach the central North Sea in the first year. Yeah, you can. Yep. So everyone starts with a fleet, and you can reach that if you wanted to. Or yes, provided that no. Yeah, well, yeah. So provided nobody bounced you or you negotiated it or whatever yeah, like that. Yep, yeah, yep, you're right. Yep. So, um, but when you gain, when you go into the central North Sea, so you've got all your normal supply centres on your normal territories and, and stuff like yep. you see on 50 million other boards. But then there's like a separate little map on the, on the side where the player who controls the Central North Sea can then gain access to three economic supply centres. That would be iron, wood and grain. Yep. Yep. Um, and they're all neutrals. There's nothing there, no standing armies. So once you actually go into one of these, um, that gives you basically an extra build, which but makes sense. here's where the funny rule comes in. Oh. Yeah. 
there's multiple funny rules associated with this one. Well, this one's the only one. So if you take one of those, if you take one of these um, economic ones, yes. you can't move back out to the North Sea. That's that right. right. Yeah. And I didn't know that when I moved in there. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but it turned out well. I mean, you won the game. I did win the game, yeah. and um, I must admit, I was lucky in the sense that I. I did exactly what you said. I went for the north, central North Sea in autumn uh, of the first year. Mm-hmm. And nobody went for it. No one challenged you. No one challenged me. So instantly I then gained access to um, all those supply centres in the middle. Yeah. I'd also moved another fleet out so that... Um, you could try to prevent other people. So yeah, so once I'd actually got in there... I kind of actually thought I'll, I'll be able to just move my next fleet into there and we'll just kind of block them, but it didn't quite work that way. So it actually ended up being lots and lots of bouncing after that. Whilst I move around from you know grain to iron to wood, and each year at the end of every year Gain get an extra, extra build. Yeah. Hang on. So not knowing of course I could move out. Could you have two units in that economic zone? Yeah, you can have you, you can, can have you can have three. four in there theoretically. You can have you know, like one on iron, one on wood, one on grain, and one in central north sea if you want. Yeah, to but the central north sea is a real territory. You can move out of the central north sea. Yeah, it's kind of like um, you just can't move from wood to the central north sea. Yeah, think of it like what's that um, game with the orcs and the dragons? Not the dra- the orcs and the pirates and the ninjas and Haven. Haven, yeah. Yep. So where you can kind of go from one end to like the wormhole into the the centre of the, the earth or whatever, the underground centre of the earth. Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of go into both realms. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question: Can you convoy an army onto the economic zone? Uh, I'll be right for my thing. Um, can you convoy an army? Um, I don't know. I didn't try. Because that would be, you know, quite useful. Let's say you're a Scandinavian, you didn't want to lose your potential advantage of having a of moving out of the Central North Sea. You want to have that yeah. strategic position. Could, if you could convoy an army from, say, Sauland, Upper North Sea, Central North Sea to Iron. Right. Good idea. I reckon that way. If you can kind of get into the North Sea, I reckon that may have been the the way to go. Sorry. I went for the if early... You're, if you are planning it and you knew about the rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I did... I was lucky enough, I think, from, you'd have to go back into the, um, the, the the maps, but I'm pretty sure I got two supply centre builds in the first year. One came from getting grains or something. Oh, wow, you really did luck out in the first season. First yes. move, yeah. Yeah, so in the first move, there was... Um, Frisia and Britain bounced themselves. In Lower North Sea. And, and the Romans didn't Romans even didn't, try to go in. didn't even in. try to go in there. They instead yep. went and took Batavia for the supply centre. And attacked... I'm assuming they're going to attack Frisia. Yeah, so that just totally left you open... To go straight into, to go straight into that. Oh, actually, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay. And I think from then I then started... So actually, I didn't get two builds. I only got one... Oh, yeah, one build because I took the... Um, that area on the top of um, the Jutland Peninsula. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. And then uh, at the end of the second year, I had grains. Yeah, you got your first two builds. You got your one build from grains and one from Magna, Magna Germania. Yep. So expanding down to the south. So this was this was good from a a, a, um, a normal diplomacy point of view as well, where. Um, the Frisians pretty much started getting shafted and attacked by the Britons, sorry not the Britons, the Romans, um, very, very early on. And um, 
effectively they started collapsing, but then they they didn't kind of die out. They ran around and created a bit of mayhem in the in the. the so they back. made the Romans pay for it. Yeah, they That's kind of kept the Romans see, yeah. on the feet. Yeah, and yep. then I was able to move around a bit and take enough um, supply centers, both in the uh, the economic zones, but also in the bits of Germany, to be able to um, yeah win the game. And actually coming towards, and this is getting into that that point we talked about before with Andrew, and um, and around the strategy. I started planning this game a couple of turns ahead for what I was trying to do. Oh yeah, and yep. actually worked out okay. Now if I do this move and then do the next corresponding set of moves, and then I should be able to um, solo the game. Sure. So yep. I did it in such a way I thought it was a a manageable risk. It could have backfired, but I thought it was more likely to go in my favour what the other players would do. Yep. And it actually meant that if things didn't go my way and that calculated risk actually blew up on me, it would have meant that the Britons would have gone into the Central North Sea and that would have then kind of created me... I wouldn't be very difficult to um, protect all those three supply centres... Yeah, because well, I only had got, one year. Yeah, yeah, only yeah, had one yeah. fleet in there. Would have required a bit of luck to bounce. Yeah, a lot of yeah, luck. Yeah. A lot of pick, oh, not pick one in three. three. One in three. Yeah. Yeah. So how? Um, well, first of all, congratulations on finishing it, and congratulations on SQRG for creating this this variant. I'm just interested in what the stats are on this. That's a question. There we are. Bring that up. Cancel, 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 because I'm using an iPad. 90 games. Wow. So it's a pretty Fair solid games. grab of them. It's so I played Norse and... Soloed 72 times. So if you play wow, this, there's a high chance that you're going to win it. Game, Someone's yeah. going to win it, yeah. And, but it's pretty close between Norse and Romans. They're both pretty high in their performance rankings. And Britain and Frisian seem to be the strugglers at yeah. 9 and 8, respectively. So maybe a bit more tweaking needs to be done on that. To balance it a bit more. Just a bit of balancing. Or yeah. is it just because... It'd be interesting to see what happens at 180 games if the similar thing holds out. Because these, these small ones, they go fast, don't they? Hey. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, um, I've been playing other small games too. One of which was against you. And we'll talk about that when you get another glass of wine. Oh, okay. Sure. All right. All do right. You, another, you, want, you want another beer? Um... Yeah, sure. Must be time for a bit. Yeah, okay. Time. Be back in a sec, guys. Okay. And, and we are back. back. Cheers. Very full. Very Cheers. Full. Hey, I love the um, the cantilevered arches that they have over the bar. Yeah, that remind me very much of like um, well, you see a lot of that in Spain and Italy and places like that and some of those buildings. Yeah, it's like, like almost uh, sort of semi-gothic. Those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. underneath the uh, cathedral or something. Yeah. So this, this area must have been like a storage basement at one stage. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure it would have been. There would have been, at some point, there would have been, things would have been able to be open. Yeah. And they would have been able to drop through deliveries to the basement straight from the road. Oh, so almost yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. Very practical. There you go. Practical cana. Interesting. Yeah. Anywho, so, yep. So, hey, we were just about to bring up... Um, the game Verdunny the Verdunny game one against like, one versus some other guy here's another one this one started and finished in six turns six seasons woo 
And you won it. You know, I, I, honest to God, thought that you were this brown player. Oh, I worked you out. I worked you out. Why, why did you think I was a brown player? No, I thought to start off with. You know, I thought, oh yeah, you're definitely that one on the left, the um, East, West Frank. Oh yeah, the West, West Frank. Frank here. Yeah. So I honestly thought that was you to start off with, and it wasn't until like after the, you know, after the second season that I thought, oh, hang on. He's making some pretty silly, dumb moves. I don't think that's Andy anymore. That's what I worked out. That's what I worked out that you were uh, the uh, the East Franks. What, silly I, dumb moves. No, 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 no. I, I thought you weren't that bad to make such stupid dumb moves. Mm. And sorry, I shouldn't say stupid dumb moves. That, that's probably a. My apologies to uh, our our other counterpart, uh, Lydia. 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 Who um, obviously is a. Uh, a newer player has a, a little bit lower ranking and probably just getting their head around how to play the game. Yeah, and, so, and actually that was the thing. They, they weren't they weren't silly moves. They weren't silly. Moves. They were just the type of moves that maybe uh, someone who was trying to get their head around how does this game work make. Yeah, yeah. Early, right. early yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. lessons for, for newbies. Yes, um, I, I think for me when I realised it was. When you're dead, <laughs> when you're going to die, no. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's probably when um, you uh, look. You had taken the Moors and moved to the Atlantic Ocean. Yep. And he's still attacking me. Yeah, he was a bit silly doing that. Right. And I thought, oh no, but I don't. You're think... attacking him. Yeah, but I also withdrew from it. You know. And I was, I was, I was. Yeah. Anyway, I let him take another. Yeah, doesn't matter. It's like you guys were odd... doing this dance yeah. of. You know. well, well that, that that at that point I wasn't I wasn't you know so when you'd moved to the Atlantic Ocean and I'd attack what I still thought of as you with my convoy were you, were right? you just attacking that one because you thought you had this feeling oh, oh that's envy I, I just want to go for it I had one in two chances of being you you know and then I realised no it's not actually Ambi I'm going to have to refocus my attention on the um, on on middle Frank here which is which turns out to be you um, That's when you then, started um, trying to flank me out through the yes, east. Yes, I tried to flank you down the east. And I so, knew you were doing um, that, so I kind of tried to yep. work out my defensive strategy yep. around that. Yep. And um, all and the same, West Frank here uh, kept on attacking east, me. Defend the east, take you know, as much of the um, west, because the west side was yep, easy yep, to fall. Yep, yep, yep. And west and then kept on attacking through, me whilst you were killing him. And then come up through and, your uh, middle. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So let that be... No, I, I don't know. Okay, so... A lesson for young Caners. <laughs> young Caners, um, yeah. I mean, the gunboat, so there's no communication going on. Um, Which is good, because that would have given, away, would have given away pretty straight, straight away. <laughs> anyway, um, but no, good on you. Well done. Congrats on the win. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll uh, gloriously take that. take that with great um, magnanimity or whatever. Yeah. Um, it was a fun... Okay, putting, putting all that, um, you know... All that aside. All that aside. That's a I fast, quick, fun it's variant. A fast, quick, fun variant. Yeah. I thought that the boundaries in this one were quite cleverly placed. It kind of created a lot of extra tension in some areas, like particularly around um, um, areas that traversed multiple um, seas. So, like around the Moors, which is like Spain. You know, the fact that you could you could easily kind of transition one way out through, through, drop a fleet, yeah. and then take the fleet north. Hmm. Um, one of the things I didn't realise on this variant was it was built anywhere. 
Didn't you? I, I, I entered this one expecting it to be built only in supply centres. Right. Uh, being a very small three-player map, often that is just built in supply centres, whereas yep. this one is you can build any supply centre you own. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that to occur. Which is where I think I kind of was able to... You got the one up on me on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Um, it was it, a fast it, game. It's it was a fast a game. game. I'm looking forward to more of them. And because we're doing this, we're all the variants we're looking at today. What are the stats? So, 8.43, Treaty for the Done. Made by... Um, Millen Mac. Millen Mac. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at your, your statistics. Cancel, 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 cancel. cancel. iPads. Oh, that's... Geez, that's even. 304 games played. The solo rate... Uh, okay, so there's... So, 304 games. 274 of them have been hit with a solo. Seven in a two-way draw. Three in a three-way draw. Uh, 23 in a three-way draw. Um... That seems odd to me. Why would there be a three-way draw in a three-way game? I don't know. People just give up. Give up. No one gets ahead. No okay. one's, no one, everyone sees batting heads and they've got other things too. Who knows? So at the moment, middle Frankia is slightly ahead on the stats with 97 solos. But these are these are so close. 97 solos for middle Frankia, 90 for east Frankia, 87 for west. Yeah. And draws, 28, 27, 28. Um, so that, that 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 that's a very this is incredibly balanced. balanced. This yeah. if you wanna, far if you wanna, more balanced actually than I thought it was going to be. Actually, yeah. I mean, this this actually makes me think that maybe it's a really good one for a tournament game. Three player seems yeah. to be very close. It's quite a significant sample of games, and they all seem very close. Yeah. So um, yeah, there we go. I'll be interested to see if, how that would change if you were to change the win conditions to be maybe a hundred percent. 100% of what? All of the supply centres. Why would you do that? Well, at the moment it's, what, 50-50? Yeah. Right? But it doesn't feel like... You've won. You've won. Uh, it didn't feel like I... It, you didn't like feel like you'd lost. I didn't feel like I'd lost. I felt like I could have like brought you back there. I, I could have scrabbled my way. Yeah. No? Not with the way the other player was playing. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, well, I mean... Cool. I think I think hopefully hopefully Lydia learned a few lessons from this and no becoming a better diplomacy player as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's all a learning experience. I, you know, everyone learns from every game. I would hope. Oh, you do. Hey. Oh, we hope so. You hope. Yeah. And that's the thing, though. I've actually found uh, I was actually on, on a bit of a roll because I came off. What was the game last time I talked about that I won? Oh god, it was, it was another three player one. It was um, a it was a hundred game. So I won a hundred. Yep. I then won Verdani. Yep. I then won North Sea Wars. Oh, and good. I went from because I've been dropping, dropping, dropping in the VDIP rankings. I was at hundred. I was I was at one hundred. I was pretty much out the door. Yeah. Now you're back in. Amaya. And with three wins, I'm up in the fifties again. <laughs> oh, look at his face, mate. You know he's so happy. Big grin on his face. <laughs> so there you go, Kana. You can do it too. Just three games in a row, three solos, and you're done. Three solos and small matches. Okay. Hey, how are you on those um, on that South American one? The four player South American. Um, not doing well because I'm not in it. Well, I didn't ask you. I mean, how do you do on that? Oh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
how, I'll, I'll just, just bring it out there as a potential Generally, generally speaking, if I play that game, how do I go? Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm asking you. Uh, I don't know. It's been a while since I've actually played that one. Yeah, it's been a while for myself too. Um, we'll just we'll come back to that in a sec. That's, that's a potential to... For your travel overseas, you'll be doing... Yeah, but before I get to that, so again, keeping the the, uh, the low player game, because obviously I'm playing all these small number of player games at the moment because they tend to be finished faster. Yeah. So that I can kind of get these games done and out the door as best as I can before I go away. Yes. And I am at the moment in another game, which is um, the first time I've played this variant, which is uh, Manifest Destiny. Oh, yeah, okay. And, um, this, and is this is a, a new one. This is a, yeah, a brand is new, new one, one so... This was a, a game that's been brought to us by who, who did the coding? It was was it um, um Enriador? Enriador did, did, did the coding. Did you find it up on? From did you get it on the um, one of the diplomacy places that have all the variants hidden? The variant it? bank. Variant bank. That would be one. Um, Enriador. Enriador. Oh, created by Morg. Oh, really? With minor changes to Enriador. So Morg's over in um, Playdip, isn't he? Is he? I don't know who Morg is. We interviewed him. Oh! Fuck you, dumb. God, I'm dumb. <laughs> no wonder I beat you in Vidani. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> um, I actually find... Oh, this, no, it's I'm okay. No, actually, up, yeah. it's not okay. you. It's that fucking beer. It's the beer, damn beer. The beer. They always kill those James brain Squire. cells. Uh, actually, we should go to the James Squire... Place over on South Brisbane one day. We should. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, near the um, train station. Near the train station. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yep. Um, okay. This 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 looks odd to me. This map. Not 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 the layout. The icons. Mm-hmm. Because I, I I I'm seeing like old tradition, like those um those those covered wagons. Covered ra- wagons. They're the armies. Yeah, and it just looks to me like lots of um, they look like worm ca- segments. Yeah, I was going to say they look like caterpillars like, like, like to me, or of, little yeah, um, like it's what are those caterpillars like or what are those things are that eat mulberry leaves? Silkworms. They look silk like silkworms. Yeah, they do look like silkworms. Silkworms with wheels. So it's like silkworm battles, which are the which are larger than the boats. So, I although those boats look, it, are actually from the pirates variant. Yeah. So, uh, all actually contacted me ages ago saying, oh, can I use those boats from uh, Pirates? I went, yeah, of course. I think they're the uh, the clippers from the, um, Pirates. And I also find that blue hard to look at, too. I find the, that difficult you know, to the United read. States blue? Yes. Yeah, I probably would... The deep blue. I, I personally I go that. for a darker shade of blue. I kind of like shades. more like the Union colour on some of the um, uh, Civil War maps. Would have been better, I think. But anyway, having said that's just that's just aesthetics. Actually, yeah, we're and complaining about how good the aesthetics are. And but how's it played? Go, yeah. <laughs> how's the gameplay? Yeah. Um, so this is an anonymous game, so I don't want to go into too much detail. Um, that being said, uh, I'm doing okay. I'm not kind of not going out the the door not going out yet. The door. Yeah. Okay. Um, but. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I've um, again, I've enjoyed it. Is it a game? Is it a variant you'd come back to? Huh? Is it a variant you'd come back to? 
Uh, yeah, look, absolutely. I think I would definitely play this game again because some of the boundaries are a little bit interesting. Yep. Um, just the actual config, because there's a number of these maps that are now based around the American continent. Yeah. You know, and, you know yeah. From, from your 1v1 type of ones with um, the Civil War yep. ones, yep. all the way through to divided states. Yeah. And lots and lots and lots of things in between. And um, this type of configuration with the countries is um, different to all the others, because a lot of the others have been based around like your fall of the American Empire, which is more like. Um, allocated in a balanced way for the yeah. gameplay, you know yep. what I mean, yep. rather than anything that's real life. Um, American conflict, very much based around that historical positioning of countries, trying to get the balance but not really perfect. Mm-hmm. This is um, starts off the game. Eighteen forty-one. Yes, this starts okay, the game. So the five yep. players are uh, Britain, who was up in that northern bit of um, the Canada. eastern bit eastern of Canada. Canada. Yep. Uh, the United States in that area from Maine all the way down to about the Carolinas, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Spain, which is in um, Cuba and uh, San Domingo, so the island that currently Haiti is on. And starts also off with a, um, a random fleet in the Middle Pacific, which is interesting. Mexico, which obviously recently got its independence. Yeah. Uh, and then the, uh, the Republic of Texas. Which, of course, was an independent country until for about 10 years until they actually applied for admission into the Union. Would you say an independent country or an independent state? A country. So it's actually like a full-on country of Texas. I'm pretty sure the Texans feel that way. There may be some... whether, Whether they got international recognition as a sovereign state or not, different question. That's an interesting one. Hey? We need to get like, some, like some views from our Texan Texan uh, diplomacy players on this one. Yeah. Like statehood is different from nationhood, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I, my limited understanding of American history, which is not like nothing. I mean, it's the United States of America. It's not the United Nations of America. Is it? No, thing, but, but, but right? they decided to apply for statehood. After there, being a nation. Well, yeah, because they can see the writing on the wall. Oh. I think. Well, that's a period of history I just don't know anything about. So, so, um, yet, so. Our, our Texan diplomacy players, please give us a, uh, a quick history lesson on that one. Yeah, prove us right. Or, or prove us wrong. Either way, we'd like to hear from you. Okay, alright. So this starts off interesting, you know, so... But yeah, it's quite balanced in the sense that yeah. everyone's kind of around that east coast southern bit. So what are they calling central? the um, supply centres in this? Like, there's a whole... They're supply, supply centres. Just supply centres. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So they're not really located where future cities are or anything. It's just... Here's some supply centres. I, I think there's probably a little bit of... Um, Scramble for the west... Kind of I think there's an effort to try to achieve a bit of balance to a certain extent, but it's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's not, it's not bad. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It's that um, that uh, Roman one where uh, the fall of the Roman Empire, where everyone starts off as um, tribes of Imperium. Imperium. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, everyone starts off as German tribes, and it's a scramble yeah. to get supply centres, whilst everyone starts on one side of the board and tries. To um, survive stronger than the rest. Let's see if we can bring so, that up. general got, feeling got, yeah. to um, to that. Um, 
Yeah, in a little sense, because there's like there's all these massive swathe of... Um, whole, you're actually yeah, 100% correct. The whole, yeah. there's, there's like probably two-thirds of the continent just there waiting to be, you know, taken. And they're all... Um, yeah, they're all yeah. vacant, vacant supply centres. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was Imperium diplomacy where the German yeah. tribes invade the Roman Empire. Yeah. So, yeah, I and mean, that's another one where it's a scramble. But this, this one's even more brutal than that. If you don't get a supply centre in the first season, you're dead. That's it, you're yeah. off the board. So, it's funny, you know, actually, because so. um, in preparation for my trip, because obviously I'm going, I'm going to Rome and spending a bit of time there. Right, yep. And I've been re-listening to the History of Rome podcast. That's actually a good... I've listened to that one too. Yeah. And uh, you right. might remember... Oh God, I can't remember if it was like 10, 15 episodes ago. I talked about listening to this and about that period of history, which is the crisis of the 3rd century. And um, it really got me... Uh, at the time, I thought, oh, this idea of a, a Roman map where you've got this effectively a civil war occurring in the Roman Empire as right. well as your various German, you know, your, your tribes, barbarian yeah, tribes. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then also that random um, uh, non-player character, which was the uh, Antonitis Plague. Antonitis Plague? It was one of the plagues still going around at the time. Um, yeah, early firm of the bubonic, wasn't it? Yeah, so kind of like... Plague of, so it was like... It would be plague like, of Justinian. Just, was it? Plague of... Yeah, that was the Plague of Justinian. There was a... Maybe it was the Antonine Plague. I don't know. I'll have to double check. Uh, yeah. But, um... Because it, like, hang around for ages. But that was like having the idea of using the... Uh, from Pyrus, the hurricane that would kind of randomly appear in spring and then wherever it landed in, in autumn would just, like, kill off that yeah, area. Yeah, dead. Yeah. It was, it was dead. Yeah. Um, and after listening to all this stuff all over again, I went, oh, I really wish I had the time to make this if variant. Only, if only... Yeah. And I actually saw it as two separate games. One is like a true, um, what, what I originally thought of, and go back to, and I'll create links in the show notes where we talked about that, and actually I had like a, a map I put up on the website about where I saw all the different countries. Oh, yeah? You even went so far as to do that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I say map. Like I found someone's map on Google of the different provinces and did some random circles and said, insert player here looking after oh, this yeah. shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then, after listening to this, there was like... Um, I know what it was. It was coming to... Um, so, you heard of Diocletian? Yeah. Yeah, so Diocletian kind of created that... Uh, actually, it was like... Oh, sorry, so there's the, there's the... I see two variants. The, that crisis of the third century. Yes. And then, after Diocletian has kind of stepped down, and you go into the... Uh, the Tetrarchy? Which is like the four Roman emperors, but then they have a big fallout. And then you can actually have this thing where you've got divide up the, the Roman Empire into four, and you can still have your barbarian tribes there too. That might be a little bit That's better. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I think that would be better. Otherwise, you'd end up with a situation like Fat Flip. Fat Flip? Fat Flip. Fat Flip. Fat Flip. Fat Flip. It's a variant. Fat Fat Flip. Fat Flip. Jesus Christ. No, I kid you not. <laughs> That's horrendous. Uh, while I'm finding it, um, Ambie, how's the... Um, how's Fubar. That, how's that? Fubar. That's right. <laughs> Fubar is different to Fat Lab. <laughs> no, no, no. But I call... I think of it well, like that lab. because the um, the actual players is King Fat Flap. 
Oh, okay. He starts off in the middle of it. I mean, he owns all of them, right? <laughs> I've never played this variant before. I'm just looking at the the uh, the tips for successful invasion. Tip number oh, sorry, no one cares about fat clap. Number one, don't trust King Fat Clap while he's still tubby. But remember, he could be of great use later. He'd probably lose if everyone builds a fleet in the first turn and never become fat IRL because five people will come and jump on you when you're chilling on your private island. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> Who made this? This is Oh, this is made by SQRG. <laughs> the same guy that did the North Sea Wars. He makes a really good variant with that and then he puts this fucking crazy shit out. <laughs> Have you ever played this variant? No, never. You can't lose a oh. flat <laughs> and, and sorry... Fubar is the uh, the name of the variant, which is an acronym for fucked up beyond all recognition, of course. Yes. <laughs> but where's Fat Flap? Fat Flap's the um the the the, 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 the green the, area, big green blob in the middle. Yeah. My goodness. And everyone else starts off with uh, two supply centers. Okay, so everyone starts with two supply centers, except for one player, Fat Flap, with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten supply centers. Yeah. So basically, if you don't kill Fat Flap in the first season or two, you're dead. Okay, so so Kanga, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> you need to create a foobar game. Choose your own country. You choose to be Fat Flap. Finish in two seasons. <laughs> finish it in one turn. And then you do that again and again and again. And you'll go right, you'll be in the top 100 before you know it. many people join. I can see VDIP just being full of all these bloody foobar games. And eventually, after a while, people go, what's going on here? Why has this gotten popular again? I've played a couple of those ones in the past. Um, And it it, it has had a good run. Let's bring up the stats. And bring up the stats. Oh, look, how surprisingly, Fat Flap tends to win. (laughs) 43 games of it. However, only 23 of them have won by Fat Flap. Okay, so in other words, if you play yeah. Fat Flap, you've got pretty much a, a better than, better than win, 50% chance yeah. of yeah, winning yeah, the yeah. game. Yep, yep, yep. Almost impossible to lose. Yeah. And what's the deal with the other country's name? What's um, this still about? How Do I Leave This Game is another country. Timmy1999. Shit Noob. Oh My God, You Are a Slut. And Multi... 152. Where, where do these names come from? Oh, I, I, just like that, that's old school, like, um, bias, you know, just. I, I know what, like. Internet slang. Yeah, but like, what, Timmy199 and Multi152. I can understand the other things, but. I don't know. It's, um. It's, it's a really bizarre. Is anyone playing this variant at the moment? So, uh, so we go to games and does it show here with what's, what's oh no we go variants don't we sorry oh fuck variants variants yep I doubt anyone's playing it thinking 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 let's go down to Foo Bar so you can see how I think of it as oh no one's playing it at the moment <laughs> yeah. yeah six players join yeah. if you dare so yeah. whilst I'm on this um small number of players you know thing at the oh, moment yeah, I yeah, probably won't play Fubar no and it's your Fubar in which case it's not really a fun and game and I haven't been playing any two player games because they're the fastest games but I don't know sometimes I feel they're not enough of a they're, they're very 
you lose the element of diplomacy, don't you? Because yeah. it's just one against one in this big battle. And yes, you've still got strategy. Yes, you've still got tactics, but you can't kind of try to turn one player, sorry, turn a player against another player, or try to build a relationship. Or oh, so here's what we were trying to pull up earlier: South America, the full player South American yeah, game. It's pretty hot. Um, four people, four games going on at the moment. Four ongoing. There you go. Um, so you get to choose between Argentina, Brazil, Chile, and Colombia. And this is actually a, a proper Hasbro variant. Is it? Um, oh, no, no, it's just, you know, it's just giving credence no, to diplomacy. No, this one's designed by Joe Jambu. Joe Jambu. Yeah, with the map. Map by Rob Edis- Addison. Addison, yeah. This is one of the early ones that Ollie um, bought it. Ah. Yeah. And what's the stats on this one? Okay, let's pull it up. Stats. Cancel, 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 cancel. Oh, yes, cancel, 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 when it gets through the thinking process. Cancel, 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 cancel. 269 right. games played. Colombia. Colombia overwhelmingly wins so, this play a Set up a game of Fubar as Fat Flap. Set up a game of four players South America as Colombia. And I'll, I'll see you lose. at the top. <laughs> <I'll still lose. laughs> there you go. 105 solos by Colombia out of 269 games. That's not bad stats, but that says to me... Not very balanced. Or a lot of um, gunboat games. You have to ch- drill into that a bit too. But when you look at the map, I'm not surprised because of um, the configuration. It tends to pour Argentina, Chile and Brazil into this big shit fight over uh, Bolivia, Paraguay and um, Peru. Because Colombia can just sort of well, scoop Columbia across the north. Scoops so. up into Venezuela and Ecuador. Gets Caracas there. And, and, and a yeah. bit of a... Oh, not, not, oh yeah, yeah, maybe Caracas. So it gets a couple of free kicks yep. early on. Yeah. Without getting tied into a fight. Can I get you another round? Run another oh, Yeah, yeah, we'll do one more. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what is it? Mel back and a 150 lashes. Is it Mel back? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, table service here, Kane. We're going up market. We are um, moving up in the world. That's we awesome. are. We might need to wear our tuxedos soon. Well, looking at the uh, costumes on show. Yeah. Where all those people come from? One second, we, there's no one in here talking about South American variant. Now everyone's turned into a popular joint. Yeah. Wow. Ah. Okay. Hey, um, I need to go to the Dunny. But when we get back, I want to talk to you about how you're going with your Imperial and Divided States and the new newspaper press. That sounds how good. How that potentially could run. And then we might... Oh, yeah, yeah. Finish up with... A um, bit of a chat about Ambi's plans. Well, true. Yeah. Or should we hold that until the next one? No, no, let's talk about it now because you want to meet some people, eh? Yeah, well, you yeah. had it done, because otherwise you might make a bit of a mess on the floor. I don't want that to happen. Back oh, actually, I know what you're doing. You're going to the dunny now, and she'll bring her home over here. She'll want to pay the bill, and you won't be here. Uh, <laughs> bastard. Right. What hey. drink is this? Number three Third. or four or something? No, it's four for me. Three for, for me. Yep. Well, still very lovely drinks. 
Um, so if it wasn't Treasury, it must be a bank. What do you think? No, no, this was a government building. So, sorry, so long story short, we said Kane needed to go to the loo, yeah. and then I went to the loo afterwards. But when Kane came back, he said, oh, when are you going there, have a look on the left at the cell. Lock-up. Lock-up, lock you said. It's a lock-up, it's a safe. It's, it's a, like a... Yeah. This, like a, it does look like an old school bank vault, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Like it's a big solid wall. I know what this a... building was. I remember now. This was the um, the state government insurance office building. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, in, yeah. Uh, nowadays in modern parlance, it's like what like Suncorp end up becoming later on after it became privatised and shit. Suncorp initially started off with. Yeah, okay. It used to be the state. It used to be the. Um, I remember in the in Queensland in the eighties, it used to be like this you know, STIO. So basically, it was like a um, an insurance office and bank. You know what I mean? Like combined together. Yeah. That was owned by government. The government. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, as time's gone by, and you know, free markets and shit got privatised. Right. So yeah, that's so what that, that, that is. Been, that that been this would have been a bank vault. A bank vault. Yeah. 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 It's really, and they've turned that they've decked it out with like an infinity mirror and some really nice couches in there. Nice couches and yeah. things like that. They don't let the roof crack in there. They don't let oh, us no. in there. No, 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 we're not getting in there, not anytime soon. But did you also say, okay, we don't digress too often onto uh, toilets when we're on this podcast. Very nice urinals. It is so old school. Seventies urinals, sixties well, even. I remember, I remember actually as a as a as a, as a kid. In the eighties, they looked old then. They looked old. They were dilapidated then. They'd done like a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a reno job around the outside of it. But like they're the things that would have been put in there, I reckon it's like like from the thirties or forties. They're old school, you know, like these. Okay, so they're porcelain urinals. Maybe I need to take um, a photo and put it up on the website. Yeah, well, actually, I should do that with the. Uh, I'll do that with the bank vault and also the, the urinals. Uh, the urinals yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but just maybe not when people are having a slash. Because I might find it look weird. Yeah. I get trouble for that. Yeah, yeah. It's been ages since I've seen dunnies like that too, like the urinals. Oh, they, they stand like your waist height, above waist height. You almost see it just below your shoulders. Um, porcelain enamel things, which with have um, barriers between yourself and the next. So you don't kind of have a splash on the guy next to you. Yeah, and they run all the way down to your feet. This big long kind of um, like half cylinder. Anyway. But even the even the shitters were pretty. No, were, I didn't get to look at the shitters. No, I didn't go. I didn't go into the shitter. But the walls were. Um, the way it was configured, yeah. it just it just took me back to like. I know it actually reminded me as a as a as a as a, as a student going to school, going like in a, in a railway toilet. You know what I mean? Like a railway station toilet. That's the way they were back then, but nowhere near as fancy. There you go, folks. A little digression away from diplomacy into the world of urinals. There we go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing but classy talk on our website, on our podcast thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Talking at classy. Uh, talking at classy. How are you going with your um, Imperial class-based warfare you were playing? Um, now, is this Russia, one... This is... Yes, this one is uh, not anonymous, so I can talk a little bit about this one. So I'm talking Russia, coming second at the moment on this one. Hey, weren't you coming first at one stage? No, I was never coming first. Oh, right, okay. I think I was coming third. Oh, well Maybe done. second or third, I don't yeah. know. So how are you going with it? Still um, alive? Still going good? So this is one of those times where I try to employ strategy, thinking ahead, yeah. but fucked up a little bit. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So um, this is the, the, the five-day phase game. 
right, which see. is taking forever to play. Yep. And has constant NRMRing going on. It's also unrated, correct? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know why you remind me of that all the time. <laughs> it, it means you're playing for the enjoyment of playing, yeah. And look, from that point of view, I am enjoying the game. Good. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've had constant NMRing. The Prussian player has continued to NMR. Um, I kind of made an agreement with him to have some peace. He ignored it, and I ignored it. So, um, that's all good. Back to battle. I was just double-checking to see if we're actually recording. Yeah, the numbers are, are going up. Yeah, still yep, good. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so he managed to... He stabbed me back and took St. Petersburg back, but now I'm like in the, I've got, like, uh, the supply centre of Prussia itself in Vienna. Oh, you are in Prussia. Okay, yep, yep. So I was actually in Silesia, uh, I think, and then I got kicked out of there, but I retreated into Vienna because I kind of thought that would happen and I left it open, so I went in there anyway. Yeah. So that's going okay. I'm still maintaining... What's, what, what's Prussia's west looking like? South isn't looking very happy either. No, because he, he started attacking. He made the... the, um, the well, sorry, I was say he. Because it's changed so many times who the player is. But they got embroiled into a war with Turkey when they shouldn't have. Right. Which created a, not only just a, uh, a western front against me, but also a southern flank front. So um, Turkey and I are working very well together in that space. Um, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. So strategic I, I, thinking there. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Well, I think I think think we are thinking strategically. Yep. But um, where I've also been working with Holland, particularly around trying to prevent the ongoing movements from uh, the Mexicans into the Pacific. Oh, well, that's an entire different front. I didn't even notice that was occurring. So I've yeah. actually... This is the one front that I've been doing poorly in. I've been slowly, slowly, slowly losing ground in North America as Russia. At one stage, I was all the way down... Sorry, when I took over, I was all the way down to, like, um, Seattle and into Alberta and whatever. But um, the, Mexican, back by the, the, Mexican C- the Mexican CSA alliance is so strong. Um, and... Um, They've been doing very, very well. I think I, at this stage, I'm in a, a defendable position. It looks just, like it was a. It, 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 it looks like that's an agreement, like an alliance from mutual survival. Yeah, that's the, grown from that. Hey, I they're, mean, they're, they're, they're totally demilitarised around their borders. Yeah, um, the only one that, that doesn't have a unit is like the fleet in San Francisco, which obviously can't attack inland into the CSA. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're very friendly. And the CSA, meanwhile. Is branching out across the Atlantic, and it's like taking over Greenland, and is in now starting to striking distance of the UK. Yeah. Oh, the UK's still about. Well, yeah. So Britain's still about. They managed to retake their homeland from Germany or from Prussia. So. And that's about it. They've gone that's from everywhere else. Yeah. So okay. yeah. basically, Holland and I have been working together at the moment in the Pacific, uh, but now Mexico's position, I think, is pushing me towards a more defensive line in that area um, so my opportunities in progressing into North America have decreased so I took that as an opportunity as, as a as the time with uh, effectively to stab China oh who um, I'd been getting on well with but I thought look because China and Holland have been butting heads for a while 
China's been putting all its efforts into trying to kick out France out of Southeast Asia. And all of these units were down there, so I thought, after he's killed off France, he's either going to start attacking Holland, and Holland is my natural ally at the moment when it comes to where things are in the North Americas. Yeah. And also around uh, that Indian area. It doesn't look like there's a stab going on. Well, I moved into Kashmir from Karachi and attempted a move into Shanghai where I was being greedy. I tried to convoy an a, a army across from Japan into Shanghai. Hence him building an army in MMC. In Manchuria, yeah. Manchuria, yeah, okay. So, um, oh, so the next I, few I, seasons will shape up on how that step goes. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he can stop me. Like, so, rephrase that. Short of him flipping the game, making alliances with France and Holland and turning them against me, I don't think he can survive this. He can spite me. He can slow things down. Yeah, he can slow things down for you, but it looks pretty But grim. I'm in a reasonably good position yeah. to take the north and then from there for him to collapse and then to divide him up between me and um, Holland with a little bit of France. Because France is kind of still trying to stop Prussia, so he's a bit of a natural ally to me as well. Oh, exciting times on the five-day baseball. Right. Exciting times to get for five days space, yeah. yeah. Right. It's getting a bit louder here, so hopefully it's not getting too bad on the, uh, the listeners, so our apologies for that. Well, just quickly, how are you going with your divided states? You're still alive? Yes, actually, I just remember before, I, I, I thought to myself whilst you were in the dunny, I said, I thought to myself, I better not get too drunk because I didn't have to put orders in yet, and I need to make sense. Yep. So okay. I'm still in the, uh, the divided states called Ununited States of America. This is an anonymous game. Uh, I'm still doing okay. For the record, I'm totally removed from this game. I'm not in it any longer. Um, yeah, this has been a fun game because it's ebbed and flowed with alliances. So sometimes I've been friends with people, then they become enemies, and then they become friends again, and vice versa. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's taking a while to kind of kill off some players. They just never say die. But I'm, I'm kind of progressively getting onto that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I'm starting to, to have new threats that I never really expected. Okay, um, yes, I see them. Which is coming from a bit of a, a source that I didn't really anticipate. But that's okay. And then I've kind of got stuck into... I've kind of... I've, I've, um, have you picked any battles that have been too hard yet? Well, I've, I've kind of had a bit of a skirmish on one front. Okay. Which, you know, isn't... I've kind of created a defensive barrier I think I can defend against, provided things don't change radically with another. It's not an existential threat, yeah. No. But then there's another area that I've started kind of picking battles, and then started picking... Initially, actually, I started trying to um, send him love. Oh, yeah? Because this is a gunboat game. Send him love with some support holds and things. He ignores it. I thought, oh, he didn't see my love. I'll send send more love. (laughs) Oh, silly fella. He's still not sending see my love. I'll send him some more love. <laughs> he doesn't want any love. Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah, so okay. um, yeah, so yeah, now yeah. we and now he's actually started attacking me proper. Ah. Uh, but but okay. So I know what character he's thinking about, and he looks like he's in a bit of a struggle elsewhere too. So I don't know. Maybe friendship. Oh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think maybe if I can send love in other areas to maybe turn them that way, that might help. Yeah. That's probably very boring listening. 
<laughs> if they're not really following what we're talking about. People are going, love, love. love what? So what? this what game of love, and they, and they could probably go to the board and check out that particular game and go, ah, Ambie's this player. Or this or player. that player. Or, or maybe that one. player. Yeah. Or the other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so what else we got to talk about? Well, I just really wanted to touch on um, this uh, concept of newspaper press. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. This is a this is a game that's an going old to... idea that's had a bit of a, um, a resurgence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm just getting out some paper here because I think it's easier to explain it um, visually for Amby, who I was trying to explain it very earlier I'm a, on. I'm a simple man, so you need to kind of um, give me simple concepts. So the thinking behind this is it's going to utilise the grey press variant. All yes, right? which now, means, for those who don't know... For those that don't know, grey press is being able to publish... Classic grey press. Yep, to publish press in... Um, in either the public post or in private messages to people completely grey so they there's no identifiers to the receiver of that information where that information comes from right okay, okay. so for instance if you were turkey you could write a grey press message in public claiming that you are actually France yep and no one would know the difference but you could also send a private message to Russia pretending to be Austria. That was in grey press and Russia wouldn't know that it wasn't Austria or Turkey or Germany or Italy who sent that information. Yeah. Right? Now, diplomacy's always had this ability to, okay, write a little note. We have to move the recorder closer to us because yeah, yeah, it's getting louder and louder here. Yep. Always had that ability to write a little note, put it somewhere for someone to see it. No one knows who's written that note as, yep. as, as a way to pass information on to others. Yep. So this is what I was trying to emulate this particular leaking of information to other players on the board. Right. Right. In practice, people just kind of avoid it. Use, you know, they, they, they use it a little bit, but no one really trusts what's coming from the grey press. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What's been going on in the forum at the moment is the game that we're looking at starting up is a classic grey press newspaper game on a fog of war map. Yep. Right? Now, at the moment, grey press isn't an option you can choose to make in a game setup as a, as a, as a setup of a game. So, the only way we can get grey press, like true grey press, on another game is to set up a parallel games, board. A parallel board. Right. And, and I just wanted to back describe this to me before and I went, oh, fuck, you don't make sense. Tell me tell me about it on the, on the yeah. show. Yeah, okay. So, grey press. There's going to be a grey press, press game set up yep. with seven players. Right? All at random. Doesn't really matter. Yep. Because it's going to be public only. Yep. All right? So you can only post in global. It's newspaper press, so everything you communicate to other people needs to be written in kind of a newspaper article. Yes. Right? In grey press, so you can't tell who actually published what. So when you say newspaper article, there is a, a game that we played... A long while ago. Two, three years ago. Yep. I think it was called By Jingo, and it was the idea of like this, this um, turn-of-the-century 
uh, overly patriotic newspaper articles that just got sillier and sillier and sillier. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the idea. Um, so this is an entertainment value unranked game? I, I'm hoping it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, we want to play it on a on a Fog of War map. Yep. Right, so we don't know where people's armies are. Yep. Right? So the second game that's going to be opened up is going to be a gunboat game. Ah, yes. Fog. Right? Gotcha. Now, it doesn't matter what country you get. It doesn't matter. Yeah? Yep. The Fog of War game is going to be gunboat, so you can't communicate in that game. You can't tell who's that in that game. Yep. What, who's playing what. Yeah? The public press, anonymous ghost... Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Grey press. Yeah. Right? Again, it doesn't really matter what country you are. If you accidentally send the press in a normal format, so what? There's no way that you can prove that you're actually playing any one of those ah. countries in the gunboat. So, so, let's say in the proper gunboat game, the proper fog game, so it's, it's your like Italy, okay? Yeah, yeah. You draw Italy. Yes. So within the grey press game, you could draw Russia, but it doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. Because all communications by grey press anyway, in global. Or privately. No privately. No, oh. no it's just pure public press. Oh, I thought you said you, have, you were going to have private press as well. No, in a standard grey press variant, you It's only can, public. But this particular variant is only... Well, this particular setup is only public press. But you could set it up for public and private. But that wouldn't make... You'd have to make sure that you're in yeah, your country. Yeah. But that defeats but that, the that purpose. That defeats the purpose, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. That defeats the anarchy options. <laughs> yeah, that's... The craziness. The craziness. The silliness. Um, so, I'm, I, honestly, I'm looking forward to it. I enjoy these games with, you know, um, you're playing it for the fun of it. You're not playing for ranking. And, you know, it's just, you know, one of those tweaks and enjoy enjoyment factors. Yep. Yep, yep. Very good, very good. So, is it, is it, have they reached the seven players? Have people already agreed, or what's the deal? I'm still trying to figure out how to set it up. This is the option that I put out on the table. Right. And I don't see any other way to set it up that would... To make it logistically work. work. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, looking forward to seeing that happen, um, and I'll report back on our next podcast. Hey. That sounds fun. I think I said, I said, I said in the floor, I said I'd be up for this, except this does require a little bit of... Time. Time, yeah. just to kind of pen your words and have a bit of fun and yeah i'm just kind of worried ideally you do translated newspaper that would, press well that oh, would that would be google that would translate be that's another thing so that's a good excellent segue to the court towards the end of the podcast and that you're going to be going away yeah so we probably have a world tour a bit of a world tour yeah with um yeah the bank's money that um, probably won't interest. Um, so, I think this will be our second last podcast. We'll try to sneak before in a podcast Christmas. before yep. I leave. Yes, yes. So, for those of you listening, we'll have another podcast that'll come out hopefully mid-November. Yeah, after this one. Yep. And then there won't. Then we'll go on like radio silence until January. But we're not being inactive. You're taking the. This little recorder, the, the thing. recorder with you. Yes, yeah, so I'm um, I'm trying to organise and have had um, three potential interviews lined up. 
Uh, I won't go into the details of who they are now because just in case they fall through. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful they happen. Uh, one of which I kind of yet to kind of really kind of lock in, lock in hard. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. But um, fingers crossed. They're all different countries. Yep. They're all with different diplomacy players. Yes. Um, hopefully they'll all be in a pub environment. Oh, well, fingers crossed. Or drinking so, establishment. Or drinking establishment of one form yep. or another. Yep. Um, whether they're all drinking or not, who knows? Could be just coffee. Could be coffee. Yeah. An espresso bar somewhere. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that'll be fun. But, yeah, basically what I'm trying to do during that time is reduce the number of games. But um, because I'll be both in the US, Canada, UK and Europe... Um, I've actually organised and have just recently had delivered the other day these um, SIM cards for my phone. Oh, yeah, the so, like, like mini, mini SDs. Oh, no, like... Uh, SIM cards, they're like... Sim, the, yeah, SIM cards, okay. So yeah. I'll be able to use my... I'll be able to use data on the um, the US and Canada networks. Oh, excellent. And yes. then another one that allowed me to do the same type of thing in Europe and UK. So you're not on airplane mode, cost yourself a fortune. No, that's right. Yeah. So or uh, international roaming. No, no. Yeah, or, or just only in Wi-Fi in the hotel. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I yeah. should be able to maintain my game. So, so I'm actually hoping at the moment not to worry about actually handing them over, but I'm just yeah. trying to reduce the number. So um, not too many, and if, like longer space ones, like five day phases, three day. Yeah. Phases. If I can, if I can wrap up the ma- my plan at the moment is to wrap up the Manifest Destiny game before I go away. Yep. And that will mean I'm only in divided states and um, the Imperial game. That's doable. One of them's a five day, or one of them. One of them, yeah. 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 So I think I can probably manage that. So I'll go a bit quiet for a while. But, um, and then, so if we get together in two, three weeks, do a final... Uh, yeah, final record for the final year. Final record for the like year. A, sort of a half, merry Christmas. And early, early Christmas. Early, early Christmas. Christmas. Yep. Um, and then what we can do is come back together, because I've got the first week of January, I've also... So I arrived back on the 1st of January. Okay, yeah. Um, and... Uh, if we can catch, but I've also taken that first week of January off work. Oh, it shouldn't be too hard to catch up on that. I'm on holidays then. Well, I've got a bit of you know jet lag and shit. Yeah. But um, actually, that probably maybe we do that one as being like the 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 uh, the, the squire place or whatever. That'd be a good spot, James. James um, Squire, James whatever. Squire Brewery in South in, Yeah. Um, somewhere like that. And then what we can probably do is we can be a little bit cheeky, Kainer, and we'll do like. Maybe record three or three episodes back to back, but with all the interviews. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see how we go. Trashed wind. So I'll need to kind of um, try to share with you the recordings along the way. Actually, I won't be able to do that because we'll be able to do it along the way. But when you get I'll just share it when I get yep, back, yep, and then yep, you can yep, listen yep. to them, and then we can kind of have yep. some intelligent conversations. Doable. doable. Well, semi-intelligent conversations yeah, to become less intelligent, become intelligent as time goes by. Yeah. Oh well. Good. That's about it. That's about it for, That's today, wrap for the episode. And again, thank you to Andrew Goff for um, agreeing to have the interview with us. Yeah. Well, a lot of Andy, fun. You know, so lots of great, great time. Thank you guys for Thanks, listening. Man. I'm Gaynor. I'm Amy. See you. Bye. Bye.